0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Tim Lewis, founder of Lewis Investment, which specializes in the creation of commercial property syndicates and the provision of financial advice. Tim founded the company in his 20s in 1987, during which time he has earned a reputation as someone with honor and respect and solid principles. One of our former guests, Paul Tandy of Intergage, describes him as a straight-talking and decent, and above all, his word is his bond. And he really likes that. I would reiterate those feelings of Tim and his approach to business. So I was really excited to hear from him and hear his story and hear how the man behind this 30-year-old company started his journey as a fisherman. In this podcast, Tim reveals the occasions when he's most likely to
1: solve work issues You always have problems in business. You know, quite often you can solve it when you're not actually at work, but sat there quietly thinking about it and you come up with a solution. Discusses his beliefs behind building and maintaining a business. I always say that. Don't sort of focus on selling it. Focus on creating a really good business. And then someone will come along and it's up to you then whether you want to sell it or not. And says that pushing himself is all part of his life balance. When I'm road cycling... I don't actually think about work much. In fact, when I'm doing anything, kite surfing or or cycling or whatever, I find it difficult to think about anything else other than what I'm doing at the time. If you want to know more about the services offered by Evolve, then please
0: do go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Tim, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you, Warren. It's nice to be here today. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. And um, I just want to, you know, during the course of our conversation, I want to talk about some of your philosophies about business, which I think, are, you know, there's some great foundations and principles you've got. I want to talk about some of the extreme sports that you do and all of those kind of things. But it is a business podcast, so we should probably start off with the fact that you started your business 33 years ago in 1987. Yeah. So can we, I think I was still in short shorts then, but <laughs> only just, if I'm honest. Um, but if we go back those 33 years ago, what made you start your own business?
1: It was sort of quite an interesting start, I suppose, to life. Um, I, I was uh, the first Lewis to go to university. Okay. Um, so my my mother and father were very proud of me. But unfortunately, they sort of steered me towards a course which wasn't really for me. I did land management, which was all about um, buildings and properties and that sort of thing. But what I didn't realize was it was really a law degree. Okay. And uh, so after a year and a half, a pal of mine phoned me up and said, how are you enjoying your degree? And I said, well, not a great deal, unfortunately. So uh, he said, well, do you want to come and be a fisherman? And uh, I said, yeah, that would be fantastic. I'd really like to be a fisherman. I've always liked the sea. I'd love to be a fisherman. So we went down to a place called Nosmeo in near Plymouth, which is a beautiful little estuary. And we ran a fishing boat from there for about three months living in a converted ambulance. Okay. And, uh Until my mother one day found out where I was. <laughs> and we were driving the fishing boat into uh, Plymouth Ho. And there was my mother standing on the dock saying you're coming home to talk to your father about this and it took <laughs> her three months to find me so anyway i went back to university they persuaded me to go back okay. to university um doing the same course doing the same course and uh, i had to take some exams and unfortunately i fell one by two percent so i passed all the others fell one by two percent they had me up in front of the board and uh, i made the mistake of telling the chap that was looking after me the tutor looking after me what i'd done and uh so he told the rest of the board what I'd done, and they kicked me out. Okay. But it's a very sad day because I, I came, so I was kicked out of university. That's not why it was sad. I mean, that's life. But I came back from uh, Reading University, and it was the day my brother died. So my older brother was killed in a motorbike accident. And I think probably that day sort of shaped your rest, the rest of your life.
0: Okay. So when you were then, sort of early 20s? I was 21, yeah. Wow.
1: And he was 23. So, how. so it was a great shock. Yeah. So what was great about it, I guess, was... It's not very really business-orientated, this bit, but no, um, I, yeah. I was there for the family after Nick passed away. Okay. And I think that was probably what helped keep the family together, was that I was there for, um, wow. for the family. I, I was the second oldest. Okay. And Nick was the older one. Wow. And I think that was good substance. But eventually, after about six months of... Uh, of me not doing much, Dad sat me, took me to one side and said, you've got to get a job, Tim. And I went, yeah, I know. Yeah. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. And uh, he said, well, do you want to be in an office? And I said, I don't really want to be in an office all the time. And he said, well, why don't you come into my industry? Because he was um, a director of a company called Gresham Life in Bournemouth okay. before yeah. that. He was, uh, my dad worked there for, really? for about six, <laughs> nine months, yeah, no, they're wow, a, yeah. They're a good old company. Yeah. yeah, So he was the sales director there, and before and, that yeah. it was, he was legal in general, and he, he and another chap uh, designed the umbrella that is legal in general's hallmark, if you like,
0: Wow. one afternoon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just knocked it up. Yeah, knocked <laughs> up an umbrella. So he said, why don't you try my industry? So, so I did. And I got a job with a company called National Provident Institution, who were a very good, 180-year-old specialist pensions company. Okay. And I did all my training with them. Yeah. And I and I worked at Southampton, then went to Reading, back to Reading. Funny.
0: Yeah. Our life kind of sometimes yeah, goes, goes around. Circle. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I really enjoyed that, and that was very good. And I, I worked for them for a few years, um, and then went worked, set up a, a little bro- brokerage with a, a general insurance company. Okay. And that was good. But unfortunately, the guy running the company um, wasn't very straight with me. He said, if it works well, after a year, we'll talk about you having shares just in the business that you sort of set up. And then after a year, we sat down and had lunch. And I said, well, we need to talk about these shares. He said, oh, no, you're not going to get any shares. Okay. And so I went home. That was on the Friday. And on the Monday morning, I resigned. Wow. And uh, so I started with zero clients working from my bedroom back in Bournemouth. Yeah, Uh, that was in London and uh, sort of started from scratch, really. Wow. So it's quite exciting.
0: And do you think, I mean, there's two things there, and and I don't, you know, the situation with your brother and and Nick and and everything that that clearly has shaped you and your attitude towards life, I assume. That has to be so fundamental, doesn't it?
1: I think probably the main thing that comes out of that is that you want to live every day to the maximum because you don't know when it's going to be your last. Yeah. So so, and I think I've taken that probably to the extreme, but I, okay. I've really enjoyed it, and in business as well. I think yeah. I've taken it sort of shaped my business life as well as my. So personal it Takes life.
0: a different attitude towards business risk. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: And then the second part of that piece, when you know somebody's promised you to do ownership and shares and not fulfilled on that, do you think that has that shaped your attitude towards business and the way business should be done? Oh, I think
1: oh, I was absolutely gutted because. We had a, a, a caste agreement, as far as yeah. I was concerned, and I'd fulfilled my part of it. Yeah. And he just obviously, clearly had no intention of fulfilling his yeah. part of it. And that's not the way I do business, and I yeah. don't expect other people to do business with that in that way. So I've yeah. always be, felt that trust is the utmost of the utmost importance yeah. in business. And I've always tried to lead the business and my business life like that.
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, and I'm, I'm similar to you, I'm, Maybe it it sounds a bit old school, but you shake a hand and a handshake is a handshake or you look somebody in the eye and say you're going to do something yeah. and you feel it and you do it. Absolutely. And I know that is your philosophy, but I get frustrated, but surely you must get really frustrated with kind of perhaps this modern world of being kind of not so transparent and people backing out of things and people not honouring their word. And how do you deal with that when that happens, Tim? I
1: think... Maybe I've got a little bit more laid back and sort of I I sort of understand it a a little bit more now. And yes, the world is different, but I still think that people inherently, it's their DNA that creates them. And and the people I want to deal with are people like me, if you like. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) that old-fashioned way. But also, you shouldn't throw your toys out if people do change their mind or if they do want to be doing something different. That's life. And certainly don't let it worry you because you've got to move on.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So there's you in your bedroom in Bournemouth, back yeah uh, back with mum and dad in Bournemouth. Yep, yeah, they were <laughs> delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's back. <laughs> and so you just started your business from there.
1: Yeah, so I started the first week, I think I went and knocked on some doors in West Key Road in Poole, which was um Okay. A good business road in Poole, and I just yeah. knocked on some business doors and said, Look, I'm a pension special- specialist. Do you want some advice? Right. And uh, by the end of the first year, I think nearly every business in West Key Road were clients of mine. Wow, it was fantastic, including the Renault dealers that were there. Okay, uh, it was it was a really good little yeah. spell. But you know, it's difficult. I, I struggle to do that now, knock on business doors. But you know, it was good. Good at the time. It was good to do.
0: I suppose that's what you did, and it's about that starting a business. You do what it takes, don't you?
1: You do what it takes, and also, what's the worst that can happen? People can say no. Yeah. And I don't ever worry about that. And I I try and get that through to my staff. It's, it's no problem when they say no. It's worse yeah. when they say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you either <laughs> want a yes or you want to no.
0: But it is difficult because rejection, you know, and that is a rejection, isn't it? It's, it's always sometimes hard to take, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but try and not take it personally. Yeah. It's my view. And for every, you know, 20 no's, you'll get a yes.
0: Yeah. Wow. Is that the salesman in you, do you think? Or do you think that's an attitude in life?
1: No, I think it's just an attitude to life, really. Is. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. Be tenacious. Be tenacious.
0: I like that. So, how did the business become what it is today? So, today... Yeah. Well, you two know. weeks
1: after I started, of course, in 1987, the stock market crashed. Oh, dear. So, so that's perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. September 1987, so... but. Again, you can either look at it negatively or positively, and yeah. my view was positive because anyone that I was getting to invest in the stock markets was buying in at a cheap time. Yeah, there's upside to come. Yeah, yeah. So took it from there. We worked from home for a couple of years, actually, much to mum and dad's annoyance, I think, and then maybe a year off that, maybe after two or three years, um, Gresham Life was sold, and okay. dad was. Um, Unemployed, if you like. <laughs> uh, and he said to me, or I think I said to him, actually, why don't you come and work part time for me? Because he was, you know, nearly at retirement age anyway. Yeah. And he loved it. And, and so he and I formed a sort of partnership together. Um, he was fifty-eight or fifty-nine or something yeah. like that, same age as me now. And I was twenty-six, twenty-seven. Something wow. like that. Okay. Um, and we got on really well. Yeah. Um, we went. We took some offices. I think the first offices we took. We're in Bournemouth on, on Christchurch Road. Yeah. next door to a firm of solicitors called Philip Evans. Yeah. And above, the offices that you came along as a, yeah. as a
0: trainee, as account- a trainee? Yeah. accountant. Yeah, Watts Tyson Limited yeah. as a trainee. Co. And it yeah. became what's Co. Co. yeah. And I was a trainee accountant. That's where we first met. That's right, yeah. Yeah. We were upstairs on the first floor. You are on the ground floor, yeah.
1: Small world. So we were a very small company. Yeah. Um, but we were just developing a very nice client bank that trusted us and we trusted them and just growed, built it up gradually and yeah. dad, dad eventually retired maybe five years later okay. um, and my mum did the books okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my sister came and worked with us yeah. actually and, and um, so it went on.
0: Was there a fundamental change then in the business because it was kind of, in today's words, we'd use the word entrepreneurial, it was young, you, energetic and it became more of a family business? Did it Was that a transition or?
1: Um, it, did be, it did become a family, because it was me on my own, and then it did become a family yeah. business, but yeah, we just carried on. We were just keen on building a, a business, if you like. And yeah. We all had the same sort of ideas, yeah. if you like. I was probably always leading it because I was young and enthusiastic, yeah. and 25 years old. But, Here's the energy. But, but yeah. Dad was great, mum was great, Fiona was great, and yeah. Fiona is still with me now. is still one yeah. of my right-hand people, if you like.
0: Yeah. So brilliant. So family is clearly something that's really important to you Tim. You know we've touched on it on a few occasions already. Yeah. And do you think you bring that family philosophy into business? I
1: don't know really. I I think I think probably the tightness in business I think it's very important. So yeah. I think I think um we have a good relationship with our staff and a good relationship with our clients and a good re- good solid relationship with our suppliers. You know, you do have problems with suppliers in in, in mm-hmm. business and I have a, perhaps, maybe slightly too loyal, but I still like it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that serves serves us well. Okay. So, um, yeah. we, you know, we, for example, we we were with NatWest Bank. That was my first bank in 1987. Yeah. And despite the troubles of NatWest Bank, our, our main account is still with NatWest Bank, even though we haven't got bank manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, a strong sense of loyalty. Loyalty it? comes out of that, and it comes out of the family piece. Yeah, I think so. It's probably yeah. the main part of it. I would, yeah. I'd, I'd like to also say that, although Anita only works a bit in the business, most of it, most of the big decisions that I make, yeah. I've, I get uh, Anita's advice. So Anita's your wife. Anita's my wife. Yeah. And um, and she's fantastic because she gives an outside opinion, a, a very common sense, yeah. good opinion yeah and I sort of of hard, still value that you do <laughs> yeah and yeah, it's because, good to
0: value I think yeah it's good to value I suppose talking about on that aspect do you find it easy to switch off you know you've obviously will continue the business journey and story but you've succeeded there have been challenges there have been highs and lows I'm sure do you find it easy to switch off when you leave the office
1: um not really because I'm so enthusiastic about it i still I like thinking of new ways of doing things, ways of improving things. Um, And, you know, you always have problems in business. Yeah. You know, quite often you can solve it when you're not actually at work, but sat there quietly thinking about it and you come up with a solution. Yeah. I absolutely
0: agree with you that. When you let your subconscious wander, so you get on a bike or you're on holiday or your mind gets a chance to rest, that's sometimes when solutions and good ideas appear, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think that's when you come up with your best stuff.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So, family business. So, this is about 92, 93, yeah, something like yeah, that. Must yeah. be when I'm thinking about my own, uh, my own story. Uh, so, 92, 93 in Bournemouth, uh, looking after, building a really strong client base, looking after it. What are the ambitions, do you think, for the business at that point?
1: I think I had very, very high ambitions for the business. and And to be frank... You know, I haven't achieved the ambitions that I had for the business. Okay. Um, Then I think that's just, sometimes that's just life. Yeah. But that's not to say they won't be achieved going forwards, because yeah. some of the things that we're doing now are fantastic. Um, But when you're 25 or 30, yeah. you really think that you can <laughs> set, the world set the world alight. And and I didn't. Yeah. You know, we we got to fairly good size back in, 2005-2006 where we were about 40 staff Okay. and we were doing really well and then the you know the credit crisis came along and we had to really cut back very quickly yeah so we cut back to about 20 staff and if we hadn't we wouldn't have survived
0: right that must have been really tough
1: yes it was tough but they were a great team you know we had a great team yeah. of staff and we didn't actually have to make any redundancies we just worked with the staff and some of them because the market was still quite strong for some reason the Employment market was quite strong at 2006 2007. Yeah, um, sorry, it's probably a bit later than 2007 2008. Yeah, some went off, um, but the core 20 people stayed with me, right? And probably nearly all of those are still with me now. Today. Wow. And we're up at 45 staff now. So you're back to where you were above where we were, right? And so still growing actually at the moment. So that's good.
0: So you added the headcount, you go again. Yeah, so what, what actually happened in that credit crunch then that affected you i mean the market dropped didn't it but clients still need servicing what part of the model needed to change and how have you changed it i think in
1: our industry um in the wealth management industry where people don't um people are concerned about the bigger picture if you like and it was coming you know you'll remember yeah. banks were going bust and, you the world know, was going to end. the world was turning over there were queues outside building societies it was a really tough time, and that's not a time when people want to make decisions. What yeah. they do is they, is they sit on their hands. Um, and I think now is a similar time to that, yeah. except for the fact that at the moment, um, you've got interest rates of zero or negative okay. on bank accounts. So yeah. people are forced to make decisions, okay. whereas back then, they were still at reasonable rates of interest, and they could still get reasonable returns. Right, so they could the not the go, burst,
0: put the cash in the bank, yeah. and still have a similar level of return. Yeah. Okay. So, you've also then pivoted the business towards being quite property-focused as well. So, I was just going to touch on, you know, what's your philosophy to wealth management?
1: So, I think early on, what led me to that probably was the 1999 uh, stock market crash, really. Okay. And it was a horrible crash. It was much worse than some of the other ones we've seen. Because what happened was internet companies became very popular and everyone started, all clients started throwing their money into these internet stocks, which two years later became almost worthless yeah, and dot worthless. Com oh, it was awful, awful. But we weren't really involved in that. We were more conservative stock markets, but what happened was the main markets slid away over a period of two years. Okay. So it didn't happen in one go. Right. It was just a daily slide. So every time you talk to a client about their stock market investments, it was lower than the time before. Right. Uh, there was no good. There was, That's there, not a good news story. There was good. no good news there. So, and the FTSE 100 at that time was 7,000.
0: Right. Wow.
1: Yeah. So 20 years ago, you know, 21 years ago, was... the market was above where it is now. Wow. i was <laughs> lost words, I did not it. Uh, so I sat there and decided that if we didn't do something different, we probably wouldn't have a business. Yeah. You know, you've got to... View things and, and go in a different route, I think. Yeah. Decide whether you've got a business or not and yeah. take it in a different route. We looked at it and we looked at our clients that we had made money for. and it yeah. Nearly all the clients who had, we encouraged the business owners, which is a lot, large number of our clients are business yeah. owners, we'd encourage them all to buy their, most of them, to buy their business premises through the pension fund. Okay. It's quite unusual in those days. Yeah. In 2002, it's quite unusual. Fairly standard planning now but back then yeah well through the 90s we were doing it yeah um and that came from my training with MPI, who were good at that okay their their market what i thought we could do is extend it and actually put people together and buy properties together so rather than buying a little shop in ashley road put 10 people together and buy a prime shop in the central Bournemouth okay central winchester so So syndicate so so we syndicated. And that's we did our first one in 2002. It's very unusual. Even yeah. today, there's probably only half a dozen companies doing it. Of course, you know we have got the commercial property market now, but actually, the quality of the properties that we bought over that 20 years, and we're, we're probably at about 260 million or something like that of, of properties. Wow! wow. Syndicates. Yeah, they're they're holding up very well. Yeah. Some of the tenants aren't. Yeah. But you've still got the property there. Yeah which is good news. So it's a tough time for commercial property at the moment. Yeah. Luckily, we work by the process that you shouldn't have all your money in the stock market or all the money in commercial property. Yeah. You should have it split between the two. And really, we're not a great fan of other types of investments. So um, corporate bond-type investments, they just don't give the return for the risk that you're taking on. Right. Um, and there's all sorts of alternative investments that we don't like. Yeah. Um, so really, it comes down to... Inflation's pretty low and likely to stay low for a long time. Interest rates are likely to stay low yeah, so therefore you need real assets and real assets are shares and property
0: okay and that's the philosophy that's the whole split, philosophy
1: split split
0: your portfolio and okay and what's interesting there is and I wonder if it's something you think generally in business you know independent businesses need is you've You've found a niche, haven't you? You've found a, a model and a niche yeah. that's unique, you know, relatively unique to you and definitely unique to your local competitors. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think that's really important? I think that's what small businesses are. They find niches and they explore them. Yeah. Um, I think it's crucial without that. You'll never beat the, the big boys. And I'm a good one for trying to beat the big firms. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you know most businesses set up because they like to think that they can do something better than the big companies. And if I may, um, I can, can I talk about the master trust that we've got? Yeah, of course you can. So so one of the things I'm proudest about, where we are actually making waves, is uh, in 2013 we set up um, a, a pension scheme that was suitable for people to do auto enrolment um, okay. through. And all the big companies were not providing... ...suitable auto-enrollment schemes for smaller businesses. They'd say, oh, if you've got 300 staff, we'll give you a scheme. That's Scottish Widows. Yeah. If you're smaller than that, you won't have it. And yeah. yet it was becoming law. Yeah. So we decided to set up our own, what's called a master trust. Okay. And we, we've now got 150, about 150 employers within that master trust. The wow. biggest with 2,500 staff. But we are, we went through a very rigorous process of being becoming authorised by the pension regulator... And yeah. there's only now, I think there's probably 22 or 23 master trusts, of which we are the smallest or the second smallest. And all our competitors are the Standard Lives and the Vivas. Um, wow.
0: Um, and how do you stand out in that? Field? Or is the fact that your niche is is that you're there for the smaller business? I think the
1: niche, we've got two two niches there. One is we take a very simple view on investments. The majority of our employees if you like the average yeah. age is 41 yeah and they should be um in real assets so in equities yeah um, so we don't run a managed fund on that we run a pure equity fund on that Yeah. because that's how they're going to make the most money um with their pension funds and they need to yeah <laughs> going forward and the second thing is we provide advice so every year one of our advisors or two of our advisors will go along to the company and uh, have open forum with employees and provide individual advice okay. included within their fees so they can have advice without any charge.
0: Brilliant, which is not what the big boys do, is it? They just.
1: You won't see anyone from Standard Life. No, they'll take either. their
0: fee. You know, I'm going to use the wrong terminology and I should be careful what I say, but they'll skim off the top.
1: Well, all the fees are capped by the pension regulator yeah. anyway. The pension regulator set this market up very well. Yeah. And they're pushing all the business towards these master trusts because it's um, a very governed business. Right. So, for example, we had to put capital adequacy of half a million pounds on a bank account and leave it there. Um, and as we grow, we've got to increase it um, as as protection for our master trust, yeah. if you like, so that, um, so that it's nice and secure, yeah. which, which is really good, um, I think. But yeah. it does mean that it's difficult to become a member of the master trust Trust club if you like yeah yeah
0: wow but that's a great example isn't it Of you seeing a niche and opportunity a gap in the market and taking it and seizing it
1: oh i'm very proud of it and i think it's it's really good it's cost a lot of money but yeah we're, we're, we're we're right in there and firms from around the country now are coming to us where they never would right um and although we're not winning a lot of them because at the moment they tend to go to the big boys i think that as our performance sort of comes through, I think we get win more and more business yeah. on it.
0: So in your industry, that's an interesting piece, isn't it? Because it's a long-term play. You've talked about the investment, cool. putting capital there aside. It's a long, long-term play. And I yet. promise you it's long-term. <laughs> <laughs> and, I think um,
1: we're forecast to break even in about 12 months' time on it.
0: Right. But your industry, if there was a criticism for it over the years, it's about short term gain take the cash now take the commission and I know we're not in a world of commissions anymore but if you go back to the bad old days you're taking a very long term view on what you do with the commercial properties as well uh, and the syndicated investments compared to what your industry is known for perhaps which is short term cash yeah but I think with
1: investing money you've got to take a long term view it's so it's so difficult to take a short term view and we have it sometimes um with clients where they get lucky and uh, with an investment of their own and you yeah. know, it goes up hundred percent in a year and they say, Why can't you do that for me? Yeah. and it's just not what we're about. We're about long term investments. Yeah. Um and the same with the properties that we buy and the same with the funds that we buy. The, you know, yeah. There's got to be common sense to it. Yeah. And I think probably that's that one thing is is the is our philosophy as well. There's got to be common sense to it.
0: Yeah. But do you never get frustrated with some of your competitors that take that short-term view to take a fee, to take an income? No, I don't worry too much about what the
1: competitors are doing. I just concentrate on what we're doing.
0: Right. So they don't worry you at all?
1: No, I mean, one or two of the big public companies worry me, but again, it's not something that I worry too much about. Companies like Hargreaves, Lansdowne, and St James's Place, but um, at the end of the day, they're big, the PLCs... I don't need to worry about them. They yeah. don't need to worry about me. We just carry on with our own, doing our own thing, if you like. Got your niche. Got yeah.
0: Your, got your vision. Know where you're going and, and focus on it. I actually. mean, it's great
1: because Hargreaves Lansdowne. Oh, no. Oh, Chris Lansdowne, but St. James Place haven't got a master trust. Right. So they're a FTSE 100 company. and They haven't got is a master you, trust. We have. Brilliant.
0: Fantastic.
1: Something you should be very proud of.
0: And I suppose that's another piece, isn't it, is... You're very independently of mind. You, you know, you know what you want to do and what you want to achieve. But there's been a lot of consolidation in your sector. You know, we talk about Hargreaves Lansdown. We talk about St James's Place succession and, and other groups that have swept up. You know, what would have been your local independent competitors. Have you never thought that that's where you should go to? Um,
1: not really. we I'm still very long term about it. I think. I, th- I still think that. If we can get the business right going forwards, there's no reason why we shouldn't be a 60 year old or 70 or 80 year old company. Yeah. Um, but I think getting the shape of the business right is the most important thing for it to have yeah. longevity. You know, I've got a good team of people that are younger than me. Yeah. That are on the board now, and yeah. I am sort of stepping back a little bit in terms of the day to day work yeah. um, and trying to get the bigger picture right and the shape right of the business. That's the future. If you can get that if I can get that bit right, then I think we've got longevity. Yeah. Um, and the business can succeed you
0: with retaining family independent ownership. Yeah, and I think the financial
1: side is sort of very important as well. So yeah. we're just trying to try to, you know, build the balance sheets up so that you know you tend to you tend to live when you when you're a younger business hand to mouth. Yeah. And yeah. That's not really what I want. If we want the longevity of a big business, yeah. you know, you've know, you got to have the strong balance sheet there, which is what we're, I'm working towards over the next few years, I suppose.
0: So that has been a change, is running it from lifestyle and yeah. it to longevity and security for the future and future
1: generations. Yeah, absolutely. Something. But people do sell their businesses. And yeah. I, th- I think it's not something that is on the on no. on the folks at all. I think if we can get the shape right, we do much better by having the longevity of the business and and the master trust and everything together. And the value will be in the in the business. Yeah. You know, why it doesn't have to be money in the bank. No. Keep 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 it going and keep the profits going and building. Um yeah. And it's good for good for the clients that way as well. They've got stability. You know, we've got some clients with us that have been with us for the full thirty three years. Wow. Um which I, I just love. Yeah. Those first clients. You know, some of the clients on West Key Road are still clients of ours, 33 really? years on.
0: Yeah. Um, That's that longevity of relationship piece, isn't it? And that I think is really important in business. And often say so it's not the pound you can earn today. It's about building a long-term relationship where everybody gets what they need out of it. Yeah. And as a result, you know, you do win financially running a business, but it's about what you put into the relationship absolutely
1: looking them in the eye yeah looking them up in the eye 33 years after you first looked them in the
0: <laughs> eye with a few more gray hairs yeah so a lot more gray hairs in my case and i suppose that there's that other piece isn't there And it's interesting what you say but i think there's a lot of people that focus purely on building a business for exit and i i think the philosophy has to be build a great business with sound financials with a great model that is unique that loves its clients and customers and then you build something of value that gives you choice as to whether you own it
1: i always think that i always say that don't don't sort of focus on um selling it focus on creating a really good business and then someone will come along and it's up to you then whether you want to sell it or not but they won't buy it off you if you haven't got a good shape of business yeah
0: build it and yeah
1: build it and they will come
0: Build a dreams that was one, wasn't it so Outside of kind of the environment and and out of Lewis, outside of Lewis Investments, you you know you do push yourself a little bit. We referred to it earlier, and we referred to why and an understanding now why you may do that. Does that give you balance in life?
1: Um, I just I just love it. Maybe I like the adrenaline bit. Yeah. But I do think it creates a balance, and I think for your mental health, it's really good and really important. People say it, but I really strongly believe it. Yeah. I actually, when I'm, wrote cycling I don't actually think about work much in fact when I'm doing anything kite surfing or or cycling whatever I I find it difficult to think about anything else other than what I'm doing at the time (laughs) Um, and you know the fun of that and I think we had a great Palomine 60th Stephen's 60th uh, year, and we managed to get a trip to Las Vegas and on the last day we decided that or the night before we decided that we needed to jump off the stratosphere there, which is this fantastically tall building. Right. And they attach a rope to you and you jump off it. <laughs> okay. And, and and five of us did it, I think, five of us decided to do it. And then before going to the airport, so we decided to go to the stratosphere, jump off it, and then go to the airport. <laughs> and it's it was fantastic. It's 110 stories high and you just have a plank. You sort of walk out on this plank. Mm-hmm. And then you jump and you free fall until about hundred feet and then it slows you up and you land on your feet <laughs> but it's tremendous and I, I think things like that make life fantastic yeah. as well as you know the family bits where yeah. you sit there having a nice meal with your family and a glass of wine and yeah. so I think balance is balance is probably what's all important. And do, you think
0: and do you think you've always had that balance or do you think running your own business has affected?
1: Oh it's definitely affected it and probably knowing what I know now I'd have calmed down a little bit <laughs> when I was yeah. younger, but okay. you know, you're full of beans when you're younger yeah. and, and you want to do everything and see everyone and you know, uh, conquer the world. But yeah, uh, now you see it. And you, I probably have spent everyone says this in business, I've probably have spent more time with the kids than I did. Yeah, um, I, I, with, with I, hindsight. Yeah, I'm minor 11 16 and
0: 16. I still look back and trying to get a bit more time with them now because I can see that I can realize that. Yeah,
1: the only good thing is that all three of my children um, are. Universities, so or one's outside and got a fantastic degree, and one's doing a master's in quantum computing, and the other one's doing chemical engineering. So, obviously, they don't take after me, they take after their mother. Right. So, they,
0: they're going to be the first Lewis's to finish exactly. That's right. course, yeah, you got it,
1: which is it. I'm very proud of as well. Yeah. Very proud of.
0: So, you don't see them ever coming into the business?
1: I think I'm not certainly not pushing them to, yeah. um, but my oldest daughter's an economist. Uh, with the With the government of Whitehall and uh, okay. international wow. trade, and my middle one's quantum computing. Uh, yeah. So. One thing I haven't mentioned that do- that probably has shaped life and business and uh, DNA okay. is uh, we found out about four years ago, five years ago. Can I mention this? Yeah, of course so you can. So my my grandfather died when I was about two. Okay. But but he had a brother who went to California and and lived in California, and um his daughter approached us and said are you aware i've got some papers about your father okay and he approached my dad who's still alive yeah and uh it turns out that my grandfather was in the first world war um right. and he's been announced as the youngest allied soldier and he fought in the somme at the age of 12
0: age of 12 yeah so oh, he was a tall
1: lad so he was six foot three or so right um and he fought in the machine gun corps at the age of 12. He ran away from home a bit like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't go fishing there. He no, went to war. No, he went to war, uh, which is what they did then. Yeah. Um, and he ran off to war and uh, he did his training and he was actually on in the Somme, Battle of the Somme at the age of 12. And it was only four years ago that he was announced as the youngest wow. allied soldier and Dad was proudly on the one show and oh, okay. various other historical shows and uh Saturday and interviewed yeah. on Saturday and things. And, you know, it's fantastic because I think probably shows a little bit of grit that's in the, in in the, the jeans. Lewis gene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cause my dad's very much the same and <laughs> yeah. he fought in Korea when he was in national service. So right. I'm the first Lewis not to have seen active duty, I guess. Right. Too which is good, you now, which is progress which
0: is progress, isn't no, it? definitely too late for you now to, but um <laughs> God forbid, but um yeah, it is progress, isn't
1: it? it is that's it right is. we have short memories, don't we, and we do it's big progress,
0: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, and I suppose that there is that view you know you look back on that, you look at you know what previous generations not so far away from us went through, and actually. You know, what we're going through now with the COVID crisis and all of those kind of things. And it starts to try and put it in perspective when you stop and think like
1: that, does isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it's awful times at the moment, but yeah. we get through it just like they got through Second World War and First World War. And, yeah. and we come out, I think, stronger on the other side. Definitely. And I'm sure we're going to enjoy our lives much yes. more yeah. when we come out of lockdown.
0: <laughs> the roaring 20s is what they're talking about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I would like to say that Warren and I are socially distanced here. <laughs> we're, we we're about three metres away from yeah, each other. we <laughs> are very socially distanced as we record this.
0: Um, I suppose, just to wrap up really, is your thoughts on success and what does success mean to you? It's the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Clearly, Tim, on your journey, you've evolved as an individual and gone through some great experiences and some highs and lows. But as a result of that, how would you define success?
1: um it's very personal but to me i think um i want to be i've always said since when i was 21 i guess in in my brother's situation when i'm lying on my deathbed i want to look back at my life and be fairly content with the life i led yeah and i think probably whether that's pride in business and pride in family pride in cycling i think it's probably a combination of all of those things yeah and there will be some things that you're not very proud of and there'd be hopefully a lot of things that you're very proud of but generally if you're fairly happy i think at that point then you know you've had a great life i think
0: yeah but i like that word content because sometimes we strive to be content and happy and just you know sometimes we all shoot for the stars yeah. don't we and rather actually, enjoying today and rather enjoying the moment or we shoot for the stars from a business perspective whereas we just talked about and we neglect the personal and sometimes we put too much emphasis maybe on the personal or neglect the career in the business and the security that that can create. I was talking
1: to uh, my kids the other day and because uh, they're all back with us under lockdown, even though they're in their 20s. Yeah. And like I said, I think the best family holiday we ever had was um, when we went to Australia. My daughter was at university for a year in Australia. And so we went over. All of us managed to go over and join it. And we went what's called bear boating in the Whitsundays, which, okay. which is you know just south of the Barrow Reef. But I managed to sort of fib my way into um, taking a 50-foot catamaran, borrow, or paying for a 50-foot catamaran, yeah. even, though, <laughs> even though I had no sailing experience. But I did have kite surfing experience. <laughs> so um, you kind of understood the wind. So I understood the wind. And the, all of the kids and Anita were, were scared as we got on the boat. And he said, well, he, for about half an hour, he said, this is what you do running this 50-foot catamaran. Yeah. And then he said, there's the ocean. Off you go and <laughs> and I got this boat and we went up and we had the most fantastic week i think we've ever had and we yeah. were all together we had no wi-fi yeah. we had to live by or we we saw some amazing things but we we cooked on the boat we lived on the boat and what a fantastic week and yeah. i think you know, there's a there's the sort of things that stick in your memory that yeah. you know they're the memories you all all right? yeah all cherish, and so i think i could have not easily said i can not possibly go bare boating because i haven't got any sailing experience but actually yeah we went for it and they all agreed to go for it <laughs> and uh, and so probably my philosophy in life is to go for it brilliant
0: love it tim thank you for that and thank you for being a great guest on the evolve to succeed podcast
1: thank you warren and i hope everyone stays well and we'll soon get through this pandemic
0: What more can I say? Tim's unique and positive attitude, his tenaciousness and his determination to succeed despite numerous obstacles and indeed turning those obstacles into opportunities are all characteristics of his great leadership. If you want to find out more about his business, then go to lewisinvestment.co.uk and you can find Tim on LinkedIn. As I alluded to at the start of this podcast, Tim is also a great example of someone who has always stuck to his core principles, no matter how many times he's been let down by others, that profound loyalty is difficult to find these days. And therefore what Tim's story shows, in my opinion, is that often when you are loyal and do business in the right way, the people who really matter return that loyalty and become an inherent part of your success, which for me is going to be one of the most satisfying aspects of being able to run your own business. If you want further insightful content, details of our events and inspiration, details of our services, our coaching, our peer groups, then please do go to evolvemembers.com and there you can also register for free to be part of our Evolve community of like-minded business leaders. I hope you've really enjoyed this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, please do help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing to future episodes. I look forward to you joining me again next week. Thank you.